What is going on? This is the Philly Experience Podcast. I'm Tanner Gilmartin alongside Tyre Hood. Here we are talking sports once again. T, I missed it. I, I, we, we missed a lot, and I missed uh, talking sports with you. How you been, man? Man, I've been tired as all hell. I don't know what you're talking about, man. Well, you out there living your life and out there in West Virginia. I'm, I'm, I'm here in Philly with children so you know i'm i'm tired but i'm I'm surviving i'm surviving because i'm a survivor that's what i do that's great to hear and is this the, uh, the first halloween with girl uh it is it's it is um no word on what she'll be dressed up as but um i'll probably just dress up as an eagles cheerleader like i had before so you know gotta keep her keep her in the colors you know what i mean Go birds, and um, that's going to start with our our first topic today. We're going to get to the Sixers and um, close out the Phillies chatter um, for this season a little later. But the Eagles, um, they escaped Washington with yesterday. Um, it was a more stressful game than I, I guess it should have been. But also, what do we expect you now uh, with uh, with Washington and, and the Eagles? Um, when when the two teams play, it's um. <laughs> what were you on the halves, uh, if you want? But just your initial thought. So my initial thought of the game was um at first, well uh, I'll start with this. It it just seems like the Commanders just have the Eagles number especially on offense. Like, I don't know what it is about the commanders, but they always seem to play the Eagles tough anymore. And I can appreciate that, and I can respect that. But I don't like how basically the defense made Sam Howell look like the second coming of Joe Montana out there. Like, I I, I just – and it's it's I won't say it's more scheme. It's more or less the players. We'll probably get into that a little bit more later. But I do like the resilience of this team overall. I like the fact they were down, and instead of them staying down, they rallied together. They came back, not only came back, but came back with a vengeance, and they won. Those those are the type of wins that you can build upon. Those are the type of wins that will build character for this team moving forward. Those are the type of wins that when you – are in this situation again, you can look back and say, hey, man, you know what? We were in this situation before. I know we can succeed again. And it gives me confidence moving forward. Like we discussed before uh, before the season even started, this is the rough patch of this season that we all discussed. We just faced the Miami Dolphins last week. We did say the the commanders were going to give us some issues. Next week is Dallas week. Then it's the bye. Then after that, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Then that, then I think it's Buffalo. And then I think it's the Cowboys again. So, like, this right here is the rough patch that's going to determine whether or not this team really is the real deal. I think this team is the real deal. I think they proved that against their rival. You know, people want to down the commanders. But, like, look, the commanders are a respectable team. If it wasn't for the fact that they have some questionable coaching, you know, coming from their head coach, I think this team would have been a legitimate threat in the NFC East. So kudos to the commanders. And I think this is a, a win they can really take and build upon moving forward. 
Yeah, for sure. And kudos to Sam Howell, too. Yes. Uh, 39 of 52, 397 uh, passing yards and four touchdowns. That one interception to Reed Blankenship. I mean, you, you mentioned it already. It's the Eagles make Sam Howell seem like a better quarterback than he is, but he's not a bad quarterback. Um, so kudos to what he did against that uh, the Eagles secondary. That's still trying to find their way. I mean, you, you bring in that key piece, Kevin Byard, uh, to, to the secondary. Huge. Huge pickup by Howie. Um, some say he's not done, but Dotson, 108 yards. Crowder, 95. Uh, McLaurin, one, uh, he had uh, 63 yards. And, and Thomas had 44. All of those guys had touchdowns um, yesterday. And when you look at the beginning of this game, T, I wrote a few things down because I didn't want to forget, uh, you know, lost in, in kind of, uh, hey, the Eagles won. But uh, going back to that first half of the Eagles game. I mean, where was the defense? Uh, there was no coverage. Um, and zero sacks on Hal in that first half. Only four rushes in the first half as well. Um, when you talk about uh, Hassan Reddick, uh, Jalen Carter, um, you got Davis, uh, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat, all those guys, and um, and for Sam Howe to just have that time in the pocket, throwing for over almost 400 yards the entire game, it's uh, pretty impressive to be Sam Howe and play like that. But it's you look at the Eagles' defense and say, "Come on, how are you going to play against guys like Josh Allen and uh, going down the line, uh, Eden Deck Prescott?" Uh, too, and that, that's the, this upcoming week. It is Dallas week. In my opinion, that sucked. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly my thoughts in that first half. But and then the Gainwell fumbles in the uh, at the three yard line. Um, the the, uh, the tush push the brotherly shove failure. Um, that was embarrassing because now teams look at that like, hey, that's how that's how we're going to stop it. Um, the Eagles do have a trip uh, trick up their sleeve with the the brotherly shove uh, sweep. Um, they had a few guys fooled, but T, I guess uh, my. My concern is uh, the defense, but then you look back at a few other games, like the offense is sleeping, even though you have Jalen Hurts, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, uh, DeAndre Swift. Sometimes the Eagles just start light in the offense, and then they gotta they kind of got to play catch-up or, or have no mistakes the rest of the game because they kind of put themselves in that position. It's frustrating, uh, especially on offense. I'm... And this is just me personally. Um, I may feel like, or I may anger some of the younger, some of our younger crowd. And I, I may be the boomer in the room, but I'm going to say it. I, I, this offense gets away from them sometimes because I think they get away from the run, and that's the foundation of this offense: is that offensive line and that run game, and how dominant they can be. You're not going to necessarily dominate teams, you know, every game. The commanders did an excellent job of bottling up the run, but the run is what sets up the pass in this offense. It's what helps get the offense flowing and going. It gets the offensive line flowing and going. And then if you just become one-dimensional, and that's the part where I'm kind of afraid of going forward with this team, I just really hope that this team doesn't become one-dimensional and just starts you know, chucking the ball, you know, all over the field, you know, like we're like we're part like we're still in the Andy Reid era. Like that's like for me, I don't want to I don't want to see that. Like I do yeah. want I do want to see this team I, I balance the offense out a little bit more. 
Like, I think DeAndre Swift really needs more touches. And for crying out loud, Kenneth, and I'm going to say this right now, Kenneth Gainwell is not as good as we thought he was. <laughs> he, he's, he's not. I don't see the burst that I saw from him in the playoffs last year. All right, that, that fumble in the red zone just absolutely pissed me off. And then to make matters worse, like I'm still trying to confirm to see if this is real or not. I don't know if you saw this, Tanner, but apparently somebody DM'd him that he needs to hold on to the ball. And during the halftime break, he DMs the person back. Like if that's what your focus is right now, that's a problem. And wow. for and for me, like that's for a guy that we need in this offense to in order for it to operate, like for me, that's that's very frustrating. Now, I will say overall, the offense seems like it's starting to pick it up compared to how they looked in the beginning of the season. Do a new coordinator kind of throw, you know, throw a little difficulty, a little bit more difficulty up in there operating under a new offensive coordinator? Yeah, absolutely, because I think Brian Johnson, honestly, I think he's learning on the job too. And for me, I, it is frustrating that I have to learn a new offense along with a coach because as a coach, I expect you to come in and automatically, you know, start, you know, come in with coaching experience. And I shouldn't have to rely on you to grow with the job and grow on the fly. But unfortunately, that's the position I'm being put in with Brian Johnson. I mean, he's pretty much yeah. learning on the fly. And I think that's what I think that's the main contributor to the struggles on offense now. Like I said, I will say he's getting better. I mean, I'm still, I've still got one eye on him, but I will say that he's getting better, and as a result, the offense is getting better as well. So I'm not going to complain too much about the offense anymore, hell. And I know eventually we're going to get into it. There are some holes on this defense, and I'm going to let you take it over, but there are some holes yeah. on this defense that definitely needs to be fixed as well. Yeah, concerning, and when you're going into a matchup, against um, a division rival like the Cowboys. Huge game, uh, a game before the bye week. You have Jalen Hurts with that knee injury. Um, and and I'm, I'm thinking here, T, are, are we more concerned about the Cowboys' offense or, or the defense heading into this matchup? It's a, it's a difficult one because I feel like the Cowboys are really underperforming this year. Mm-hmm. And it's weird for me to say because I, I, I'd rather for them to underperform. But there's times where they've underperformed this year when they really were supposed to be dominant. Like, the 49ers kicked their asses this year. And I mean absolutely decimated them. Mm-hmm. But then I look at a game like last week where they decimate the Rams. And the Rams are a decent team. From week to week, we don't know what Cowboys team are we going to get. It seems like when they yeah. go up against those really tough teams, that's when they get smacked up. And they go up when they go up against teams that aren't necessarily can't match their physicality, that's when they're dominant. So I it's not that I don't have any respect for the Cowboys. It's it's hard as me for for me to say that. But I will say that I really don't fear them on either side of the ball. Because yeah. both sides are suffering through injuries. Both sides are making pivotal mistakes. And for on, on their defensive side, Trayvon Diggs is out. Like that's their mm-hmm. like 
that's their best corner. Huge, huge. That, that's yeah. that's huge, especially when you're going up against an offense with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Gardner, and hell, we haven't even mentioned them, but now Julio Jones. Like, that's that's a problem for the Cowboys. Yeah, I think heading into this matchup, too, if I can uh, get in here, yeah. is I'm concerned more about the defense of the Cowboys. Uh, Micah Parsons, uh, obviously, he's going to be a factor in this game. But because of Jalen Hurts, um, his knee injury, um, you could see it a little bit in yesterday's game, um, Sunday's game, where he was limping around um, after plays. He was avoiding being touched, really. Is that going to change how the Eagles play on offense. And I think it may because if Jalen needs to get through this game uh, so he can rest up for that bye week and get ready for what is ahead of them, uh, that stretch of teams that uh, the lies of hell, you got the the 49ers over there, the Bills, um, the Cowboys once again later on, and and just those those tough teams, uh, the Seahawks, so how the Eagles go about offense is, is going to be interesting to me. Are they going to try to to run against the, this Dallas defensive line? I don't know if that's going to work. But thankfully, on the defensive side of the ball for the Eagles, they do have Kevin Byard over there now. Um, so hopefully will be the answer um, to um, the explosive Cowboys offense that we've seen these these couple of games. Um, where they kind of just pile on the points and then their their defense doesn't really have to do much um, because the opposing team haven't been able to uh, to get back in scoring. C.D. Lamb caught 12 passes for 158 yards. Um, and uh, with a, a pair of touchdowns. Now, hopefully that, that, you know, I wouldn't think, knock on wood, that wouldn't happen uh, against the Eagles. Um, but that's just something to think about. I mean, they, both sides of the ball are going to have to change against this Eagle, uh, against the Cowboys team. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and it, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, running against this team. Like I said, I'm in a lot of circles. I'm considered like the old guy of the group. So, like, when I say certain th- when I when I, I I have certain values and certain things that I just absolutely believe in. One of those things is running with the football especially when it comes to this team. And for me, that I think that's one of the keys to the game. Like they're going to have to run the ball against this Dallas defense. Like I don't like I, I the, for me there's no other way that you're going to be able to neutralize that pass rush because they have very powerful pass rushers. They have guys that if you can take, like, if you play, if you walk into the Dallas Cowboys game next week with the same game plan that you walked into the, the game play with the Commanders, you're going to get Jalen Hurts killed. You, you can't have Jalen Hurts sit back there and take that abuse from Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, and Leighton Van Der Esch. You, you just can't do it. It's not conducive to successful football, especially considering, like you said, that knee injury. What they need to do is what they've been doing for the past couple of years, especially considering how good Micah Parsons is. Wherever the hell Micah Parsons is, that's a side that you run to. Force him to play through junk, as I like to call it. Force him to play through all those players. Force him to make a play through all those players. He we, And he's shown that he, he struggles with that. Now, the Eagles do a terrific job of bottling up Micah Parsons and really limiting him. But... 
You're going to have to balance this offense out, especially if you want Jalen Hurts to survive going into this bye week. Because that's pivotal, like you just said, for these games going forward. You've got to bot, you've got to run the football. Save yeah. Jalen Hurts for this stretch run going forward. Yeah, it's huge. And and talking about that, that was actually my point. Do you kind of hold off on Jalen a little bit? Like you don't let him kind of do just what he wants. You you kind of uh, monitor him uh, in this game. It, it is an important game, and it's especially important for the Cowboys because they're what five and two, and, and yep. this kind of determines what kind of what kind of team they're going to be if they if they can beat the Eagles then you know they've they've already beat um a few good teams out there so when uh when talking about how important this game is um it's uh, the Eagles a week away from the bye um really I'm curious to see what they do and it is a chance for Jalen Hurts to face off against Dak Prescott they weren't able to do that last season I'm pretty sure that uh they missed each other yeah. um, over there. And Dak Prescott completing 80% of his passes, um, throwing for over 300 yards, uh, four touchdowns, one interception, almost um, you know, kind of a, similar as, uh, as Sam Howell. And if you think about it that way, you know, got to get to Dak Prescott early in this one um, with the type of line. I'm not sure if Jalen Carter, uh, I think there was an MRI today. I did not yeah. see the results on that. Yeah, nobody knows um, right now. But that is a key uh, injury right there. The Eagles need to have all of their tough guys. So Jalen Hurst doesn't have to do so much on the offensive side of the ball to uh, keep playing that catch-up game. But, uh, T, anything else you want to say about this Eagles team before we, before we move on? So um, I'm just going to go into the defensive side of the ball real quick. Um, for the most part, I think they honestly – I'm one of the few people that's going to praise this defense considering that I think one of the announcers said that going into this week, they had eight different combinations at, at in the secondary. Like that's a, that's, that's a huge, huge problem. They've have to cycle through safeties and corners between injuries and things of that nature. And the fact that we're, you know, we're standing tall at six and one. Like, I, I think that's very commendable considering where we've, could be considering that our secondary, which should be one of our strengths had become one of our weaknesses due to injury. So going forward, I do think this secondary will get better as they, you know, have more camaraderie. And you mentioned the Kevin Byer trade, you know, as they grow together, as they learn to communicate, I do think that's going to get better. I will say as the trade as we're recording this, we're, you know, a couple days away from actually we're one day away from the trade deadline. There is one position I think I, they need to address, and that's the linebacker position. And not necessarily a pass rushing linebacker. They need a coverage linebacker. Because I'm sick and tired of being nickel and dimed in the middle of the field. Like if no if we go up against quarterbacks that don't necessarily want to attack Slay or Bradbury, they'll they'll nickel and dime us inside. And the only way you can do that, you got to shore up the inside a little bit with some coverage guys. One guy in particular I'm thinking about, I mean, we drafted him years ago under Chip Kelly. I think it's time to bring Simba home. I think it's time, especially considering that the Vikings are probably in sell mode after they lost Kirk Cousins. I think we need to trade for Jordan Hicks. I think that's a guy you can target. I think he leads the league um, with pass deflections from the linebacker position. So 
that's a guy I think I would look at and kind of inquire about. That would fit Howie's kind of moves uh, if you look at it over the years with linebackers. That is kind of just getting that depth piece, um, the the veteran uh, guy, um, adding him to the locker room, adding experience to uh, to the position. But um, backtracking a little bit and talking about Jalen Carter, I um, I'm over here on Twitter and Jeff McLean. Um, added some context to uh, Jalen Carter's injury. The Eagles received good news following testing on the rookie. Um, an NFL source said uh, he could be ready for Sunday's game versus the Cowboys. Cool. Uh, and once again, this is um, Jalen Carter who, suff- who suffered a back injury on Sunday. Uh, and he went, underwent that MRI today. Um, Cam Jurgens as well. Um, is is injured but real quick two things two players i want to talk about take it you mentioned your part you went in uh, on the defense great points by you um but two offensive guys that i just want to talk about um julio jones getting that catch in the end i mean how great is that to see um it's and, like and in the fountain of youth it, and I, he got he got hit too yes he did uh, he got hit and i was kind of worried uh, there for a second. Um, when I was at that game uh, against Miami, um, primetime game, where Julio Jones gets one catch, but when he touched that ball, and it was for like maybe a yard, he touches that ball, the entire stadium, it was electric. Everyone was rooting for Julio Jones. Um, I think he feels that, and that's special. That's what That's what Philadelphia is so good at. You talk about uh, the baseball with the pumping those guys up, and, and we'll get to the Phillies in just a second here. Um, but that's what that's what makes Philadelphia different, and and a guy who knows Philadelphia all too well, and he is playing for the Eagles. That's DeAndre Swift. Um, he knows about this rivalry, and and he has a chance for this to be one of his best games that he's played. He knows the rivalry, the intensity. He's been a fan. Uh, of this uh, rivalry, his whole um, his whole uh, life as a, as a fan and as a player, getting to know these guys and and um, just knowing how important this is for the fans, will he be able to? Um, how will he take that pressure? And I'm I'm curious to see that as well because when he was asked why he chose number zero, it was he took a shot at the Cowboys, saying that's how many. You know, that's how many Super Bowl or championships the, the Cowboys have gotten since he was born or something like that. And um, it's special, and I cannot wait. I have a few coworkers who are Cowboys fans, so oh, um, it, it just means a little bit more, you know, because you, you want to have bragging rights. Um, moving on, I mentioned baseball, T, and I, I figured let's get Damn. the let's get the Phillies out of the way before we talk about a, another team that is currently playing. The Philadelphia Phillies blew it, T. They blew it. They had two games to finish it out to go to the World Series against the Diamondbacks in Philadelphia. And the first game they blew, Aaron Nola was on the mound. Um, the second game, it was Ranger Suarez. And that was a game where the Phillies didn't have as many chances. But when Bryce Harper walks up to the plate and there's two guys on base, there's two outs. He gets just under that ball just a little bit, T. I thought it was I thought when he hit that, I thought that there was a chance, but that was the only chance I saw the Phillies had uh to win that game. 
the bats went cold in those final two games. I mean, Castellanos was absolutely electric. Uh, they were planning a, to build a statue of him um, in Philadelphia. That's just what it seemed like. His son is, is adorable. Uh, we love seeing that energy from him uh, over there. But then just silence. Alec Bohm finally showed up that last game, and I guess we're supposed to uh, to say, hey, you know, he tried his best. But these guys, they had the chance to win the World Series, yep. to win the World Series. I understand the Rangers. They, um, they're they doing good. Um, they got some dogs on that team, but I really felt like this was the Phillies' year. I didn't want to talk about it too much with, um, you know, before it happened. I just, I, you know, I'm superstitious like that, but it really did hurt so much. The Phillies had a chance to to go back to the World Series, you think about the legacy of these guys. Like Kyle Schwarber, he's already won. I get that, but but Bryce Harper, Trey Turner's already won. But to win in Philadelphia in his first season, uh, the amount of money we're giving uh, Trey Turner, he finally picked it up when it mattered a little bit. But I would I would have liked to see a little bit more participation from him in the playoffs. But Bryce Harper is a guy who absolutely it, it, and I don't want to be mad at Bryce Harper. I was mad. I was mad at him for not hitting any home runs, which is kind of ridiculous. You know, the guy he's not going to hit a home run every game, but I'm not mad at him anymore because I remember how hype it was. I mean, he was raking the ball. He is the top athlete in Philadelphia, in my opinion, right now. I love Jalen Hurts. Huge Jalen Hurts fan. Huge Joel Embiid fan. But I believe Bryce Harper just gets it more. So, um, I don't know. Um, I don't know how how much you felt down there in West Virginia, where you are. But when this series, before this series even started, people were already clamoring and saying, "Oh, this is easy. The series is over. Phillies in four. People mm-hmm. were overlooking the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I just sat there and I'm like, "You don't get to the NLCS for nothing." And I think for me personally, what stands out, it's not a play, but it's a player that said something during an interview. Garrett Stubbs, and I don't know if you've heard this, but Garrett Stubbs said in an interview that, and I think this was after um, they went up 2-0 and they were going out to Arizona, and I think Garrett Stubbs said something along the lines of, hey, man, if we went it out there in Arizona, the entire team is going to go into the pool. Out there in out there in Arizona's Arizona Diamondback Stadium, and I think from then on, I think something clicked in the Diamondbacks. It was like, wait a minute, what what are you gonna do in our home turf? You're talking like this is over. I feel like this team yeah. got way too arrogant and cocky, just like too the cocky. fan base did. And lazy too, lazy yes. too. And also, and I've said this for a long time about the Phillies, they're a well built team. They can hit. But the problem is, if they're not hitting home runs, they're not winning games. They are so built on the home run that they don't know how to play the small ball. And that's where the difference between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Phillies were. The Arizona Diamondbacks don't have power hitters. But we do. We know how to hit dingers out of the park. We don't know how to play small ball. We And the biggest, the biggest complaint, I had throughout that entire series was the fact that we just continue to leave runners on base 
inning after inning after inning, leaving guys on base, leaving potential points on base, not bringing them home. That's a problem. And that's very disappointing coming from a team that's supposed to hit home runs. Yeah. And not only that, but it, game seven, I can tell that they were so much under pressure. They were hacking and swinging at every damn thing that came across that plate, regardless if it was in the zone or out. Those guys played, those guys swung so undisciplined. I don't know who the batting coach is for the Phillies, but that guy needs to, I I don't know if he talked to those guys because game six, they did it too. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way in hell game seven, you come into this game still swinging for the fences. And they did. That's disappointing to me. Considering that we're supposed to be the one, some of the, one of the best hitting teams in baseball, but we played so undisciplined and uh, and it wasn't like us. It just seemed like the pressure got too big for the entire team. They backed themselves into a corner and the pressure was too much. You got too cocky and too arrogant too early, and this yeah. is the result. Now you not only. Not only did you not win the game, now you're not going back to the World Series. And the crazy part is, like they're going up against they're going up against the Rangers. They would have went up against the Rangers. They could have smoked the Rangers. And I think that's the most disappointing part. The uh the viewership for this World Series has been the lowest. Um, and that's because of just this matchup. And I, I don't want to credit uh, Philadelphia with, you know, that they're the ones always watching the the World Series. But it just, um, I don't know what would happen. We'll never know um, what would have happened. Um, we don't know if they would have maybe chose that the World Series to uh, to get cold again, or if that if that game seven win would have powered them through. It just did not seem like there was enough emotion nope. in this series, T. I mean, you, you talk about what Garrett Stubbs said, and I, I, I'm not exactly sure if that's true or not, but it just seemed like the Diamondbacks were watching their words. They, The one thing that they did do is they, they mocked the fanatic, and, and maybe that could have been used as a little bit of motivation, especially for Bryce Harper. He hit a home run uh, the game after that, so – and I and I called that too. I should have put money on it. I knew Bryce was going to hit a home run after they were making fun of the fanatic. I mean, that's his dude. Um, but yeah, and the the Phillies, uh, the Phillies hitting coach um, Kevin Long is is known and regarded as one of the best out there. So, and the guys he has, I mean, it's it's not really, you know, he he's not coaching guys that can't hit home runs. You know, he's got Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber. Um, Trey Turner, guys like that, that'll get it over the fence. Castellanos for sure. And it's a shame thinking about these guys are now going to be another year older. Um, they're going to have to start all this over again. They became, uh, the enemy that, uh, we usually root against, you know? Um, it just, uh, it's really disappointing, especially when you look at, you know, if the Phillies go to the world series, Reese Hoskins can come back and I don't know what kind of, kind of difference he would have made, but that would have been another guy to put out there. Uh, he's, he seems like he's been working out. Um, but yeah, it, it really is tough. Um, and I, I don't know what kind of moves they're going to do. I, I would expect that they keep Aaron Nola, but Zach Wheeler is our true ace. Yeah. He put that guy in, in game seven and he, 
in the middle of the game and he and he performs so well um he's really he's a good pickup that um from the Mets that that time ago but Aaron Nola I'm thinking he stays but you know there's got to be another answer you can't just depend on three guys the entire postseason you know real quick and not only that but like Aaron Nola only comes back depending on how much he's asking for because if he's asking for that same price that he was asking for in the beginning of the season, I don't think he's yeah, coming back. They weren't able to make an agreement, and I, I'm not sure if uh, he – listen, it's it's postseason Aaron Nola all the time. It's Or not all the time. I mean, we don't have that much experience with the postseason um, just these these past two seasons. But um, he, he, did, uh, he, he did do well, but – you know, I think you're right. It's it's that asking price that might be different, and you're going to have. Um, I mean, I think Clayton Kershaw is going to be available. Yeah, um, uh, and and I'm going to say it right here. I don't want to see Craig Kimbrell in the no. Phillies organization ever again. No. I mean, he, he he cost the Phillies Game Six. Yes, he did single-handedly. Single-handedly. Yeah. That game could have been won. That, I think for me, that was the dagger. I think that was the game that told me, holy shit, I don't think the Phillies are going to win this series. This is going to a game seven, literally because of Curry Kimball. They they had a plethora of games and opportunities to close it out, and they didn't. And I got to sit at the freaking Buffalo Wild Wings on a Tuesday and watch my Phillies lose in horrible fashion while Pittsburgh fans sit there acting like they've they've won a World Series since 1979, and they haven't. Um, just a, you know, the, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, Pittsburgh fans here because that's the, that's the team they have in West Virginia. That's the closest team, Steelers and Pirates fans, which is fine, whatever, I get that. But um, I, I got a freaking, I, I got a Philly sticker on the back of my car. I got an Eagles um plate on the front of my car i mean i'm all in and these guys are embarrassing me over here <laughs> um the phillies that is i don't even i don't rep the uh the sixers since i got a new car in the in the flop and the flyers but um since we're talking about the sixers because I mean, this, this conversation mean, pains me i mean do you want to do you want your car to break down you put a you put a Sixers sticker on your car that's that's all she wrote i'm just saying <laughs> Yeah, I know. And and speaking of the Sixers, two and one on the season. It's three games in, and they got a whole lot more. You know how long basketball season is. They lose against the Bucks that first game, uh, and then they beat the Raps and the and the Blazers. But that that first Bucks game, I'm not sure if you if you caught all of it, T. But that, that's a win in my book. I know it doesn't say that in the uh, in the record and everything, but the the calls at the end of the game hurt me. Hurt me inside, T, because they do not call a, a travel on Giannis. Um, he gets the rebound, dishes out the Dame, hits a three. And, the, um, and then it, that kind of starts their scoring front for, for a bit. They needed Damian Lillard to get 39 p- points to beat a Sixers team that did not have James Harden. That is impressive to me for the Sixers, that is. I felt great after watching that game. Just that they lost, it didn't feel that great. But Embiid, 24 points. Maxi 31. And Kelly Oubre, 27 points. Um, Kelly Oubre, great pickup in the offseason. I'm just going to run through this real quick and, and, t- and get your input after this. Mm-hmm. But the Raps, they beat 114-107. Embiid, 34. Maxi 34. They combined for 68 points. Um, and Kelly Oubre with 18 
that last game uh, yesterday. Embiid 35, Harris 24, Maxi 26. T, I'm going to leave you with this question before you go. Mm-hmm. Think about how great, how great would the Sixers be if James Harden was playing? Um, honestly, I'm, I'm actually thinking about the opposite, Tanner. I'm thinking okay. about right now how this team looks without James Harden, and that makes James Harden even more expendable. I mean, like you said, that Bucks game, we only lost by one point, and it took Damian Lillard to have a spectacular game in order for them to beat us. So just imagine if we traded away James Harden, even if we traded James Harden away just for some bench pieces. Think about how many, Think about how much more bolstered that bench would be outside of just Kelly Oubre for coming off the bench. Like, that's incredible. Not only that, but I also think about the fact that while James Harden is here, I feel like that hinders the the growth of Tyrese Maxey. I mean, it's one thing when he wasn't ready to be that guy, to be that point guard, to be that guy that brings the ball up and scores when necessary. Yeah. But through three games, and I know this is early, but I think he's he's proven time and time again, even shades last year when James Harden didn't play some games. Like, he can lead this offense. The pick and roll between him and Embiid is absolutely beautiful. And I think that's a winning formula that you can win with going forward. I think at this point, you just need to cut your ties with James Harden. We're not going to get top compensation back for him. And at this point, with the way the team is treating him, with the way, with the things that he said in the media, I don't think he's going to play for the Sixers ever. I I don't. I don't he's see, pretending he wants to. Right, he's pretending that he wants to, but at the same time, like, he's not going to. Like, we all know how this is going to play out. At this point, cut your losses. You're not going to get an R-star back, and if you think you are, you're delusional. Yeah. Get uh, you can. This has, to do, this has something to do with pride um, for Daryl Morey, definitely. I'm not saying it's his fault. I mean, James Harden goes to China and says that he'll never play for Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey's a liar. And and whether that's true or not, I mean, you have Embiid, Maxi, uh, Tobias on your team. They didn't, you know, uh, and this is the point of, um, I believe it was Stephen A. Smith that said that, but they didn't lie to you. No, they didn't. You know, you're letting them down, too. Um, this this situation, it's not, you know, we could have predicted this if we're being honest with ourselves, T. It's unfortunate that it happened. It, it did sound like James Harden wanted to end his career here in Philadelphia. He wanted to go to Philadelphia, and he ended up in in Brooklyn um, before the Sixers. But uh, you get Ben Simmons out of town. That that's what the the trade uh, worked as well. But I I think that this might be. I said I didn't want to put it all on Daryl Morey, and it's certainly not all on him, but. I think it, it started with Daryl Morey um, telling James that telling Harden that something else was going to happen, um, and Harden seemed like he put his belief in him with that contract. You look at that, um, but it is it is James Harden who's making it difficult. Uh, he he's being a baby like he like he does. Um, he you know doesn't show up to practice, but then he wants to travel with the team to uh, to Canada. They don't let him on, but it sounds like they wanted him to train and, and be ready for when the Sixers did come back um, to, and to not, Philadelphia. And not only that, but also, like, J- Daryl Morey is kind of being smart about this because, like, who in their right mind would pay James Harden with the way he played last year, especially towards the end of the playoffs? He wants to still get paid like he's that guy. 
Like he, yeah. like he's that guy that would that earned that top seventy five NBA all time player. He's not that guy anymore. He's a shade of his former self. Newsflash, James, you're not that guy anymore. Not that guy. You don't deserve, and so as a result, you don't deserve to get paid as such. You're not that guy. At this, you're point, not that guy, pal. You're at this not that point guy. in your career anymore. Like, let it go. It's done. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, if you gotta, if you gotta send James Harden with like a PJ Tucker or a Furkan Korkmaz, I mean, do it. I uh, PJ Tucker, he might, he might just get three points all all season. Uh, PJ um, Tucker don't turn it on until the playoffs. I, you I, got Tobias Harris, Daniel House, uh, Kelly Oubre, Paul Reed. Um, I, I get it. He's he's a a corner specialist. What's this guy? Almost forty years old. Yep, I think he's thirty nine, thirty eight, thirty nine now. Yeah, I uh, I get the uh, the veteran um, presence. Maybe he's a favorite in the locker room. But get me guys who will actually show out, like a like a Paul Reed, um, in a way. But like Tyrese Maxey, definitely. Um, he um, what's he? He's twenty two years old. Um, I'm happy that he is a sixer. I'm I'm glad they never paired him with any trade that uh, that that could have happened. He is the future of the 76ers because when you look ahead, maybe the Sixers get past. Maybe they don't get past round one this season. Will Joel Embiid be leaving? What do you think, T? I wouldn't blame him at this point. I mean, I've been one of the people that's been saying that this team has not surrounded Embiid with the right pieces. And if I were in beat, I'd be pissed off too, to be honest with you. I mean, I put my body on the line, my prime years, for what? For nothing? I mean, you 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 chose Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler. Um, you've failed year after year after year to give me a bench that can help me out. You failed to put the right pieces around me when you had when we had a plethora of opportunities to put the right pieces around me, and you didn't. I don't blame Joel Embiid not one bit if after this season he wants to go. I, I really don't. It'll be a shame. Be it'll be a shame, but I understand. I really do. I mean, how how. How can you ask your superstar year after year to put his body on the line, which we know is very fragile, which we know <laughs> is it's not going to last very long anymore. So like how, how much longer can we continue to ask this man to put in years on his team and this team's not investing back into him? Yeah. And uh, with his absence that, uh, that takes a hit to the, um, to the season tickets, um, to fan attendance, um, to the city losing, you know, a, a guy like Joel Embiid. Um, I'm not saying Tyrese Maxey can't be the face of the Sixers. It just seems like he could be, he could be that that fan favorite in mostly any city. You know, Joel Embiid is represents that blue collar, that hard worker, that uh, that in your face trash talking guy that Philadelphia loves, and it, it it'll hurt me. But if you think about it, Joel Embiid only started putting his his uh putting the body in, in the position for the team uh when he got a um when he started going on a diet when he stopped eating those spicy um chick-fil-a sandwiches like eight of them on the on the team plane he only just started being a team leader in, in terms of that um maybe like what four years ago yeah um 
And he's the MVP. He is a great player. A lot of people don't like him because he, he forces his way to the free throw line. That's a strategy in, in basketball. And when you look at how James Harden played withdrawing fouls his entire career, then they changed the rules and he's, and he's like who he is now. Um, that just shows uh, the different strategies of players and how that, how different that makes the, uh, the NBA. But I, I like, I like this team and I promised myself I wouldn't get invested in the 76ers um, until later in the season, but damn it T um, the Phillies aren't playing anymore. Uh, they should be, I should still be watching the Phillies, but um, I'm tuning into the Sixers, man. Every now and then I'm going to watch a game. Uh, I'll be at the bar and watch a game. They are going to hurt my feelings. They're going to hurt my soul, and they're and they're going to crush it. Uh, I know it, and everyone else knows it too. And Eastern Conference, um, you got the Celtics, the Bucks, but this team can be a three. Um, I, I know that there's the Miami Heat over there, and they got um they got that that funny guy over there, Jimmy Butler, and and what those guys can do too. Talented team, but. It's a shame because one more piece, one more impressive piece, say James Harden is a different guy and he's a little bit younger. Um, I, the the Sixers, even if it's even as if it's Ben Simmons, like four years ago, Ben Simmons, I would I would like to look at this team and I and I know you you're not going to like hearing that, but Ben Simmons was a hell of a defensive player, um, and I and I actually like what I saw. Uh, what what I heard him say that, you know, he still calls Philadelphia home. And, and he, I believe he talked about going back to the Sixers, going back to Philadelphia and playing there eventually. Like he wouldn't be completely against it, I believe is, is what I saw him say. And I respect him for saying that, you know, um, I, I thought he was just a Mr. Softy advertised on, on outside of an ice cream truck, but maybe he has some, some form of, um, you know, will and maybe a little bit of, uh, of pride for him. Um, he's still, uh, he's still once again, Mr. Softy and he's tra- It was interesting. Uh, what do you think about the whole situation? Uh, Tanner, 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 Tanner. You are so naive. So young. So ben Simmons is trash. I, I said it. I said it again. He's Mr. Softy. He's trash. Um, I mean, he can't hit an easy layup uh, to beat the Atlanta Hawks, whatever. I get all that. Um, but just think about this team. To if if maybe Ben Simmons is playing how he did um, when everyone wanted to buy his jersey. Man, there you go with that bullshit. Tanner. <laughs> you know whatever. I'm just saying something. I mean, I'm keeping the people awake over Tanner, here. Tanner, 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 Tanner. Look. I refuse to be, first off, I refuse to be invested in this team. I'm not invested in this team unless they make a major trade. Mm. Unless they really intend on fixing this team up this year. And it looks like it's probably not going to happen. So I already know how this script is going to go. You're going to go to the second round. You're going to lose. I'm not, like, I'm done investing my time into a team that's not going to invest in itself. And it looks like it's falling apart at the cracks. It would be Sixers fashion, though, to actually do something better than they have these past couple oh, of years with, with less talent. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. It on Ben Simmons. He's saying that because there's no other team in the NBA that wants him anymore. And if the Brooklyn Nets knew how to get rid of that arbitrage of a contract, he'd be a free agent. And he'd probably be playing in Australia by, by, right about now or China. 
Nobody in the NBA wants him. Everybody knows what type of player Ben Simmons is. A regular season guy, when it comes to the playoffs, hack Ben activates, and guess what's going to happen? That 30% free throw percentage is going to show up. The only He's way, been in the lab, though, allegedly. He always is in the goddamn lab. That's the problem. He's always in the lab. <laughs> when does the results from the lab finally come to fruition through an NBA game? It's what's something I've been preaching to you, to Max. Hell, even Chris when he was on here. I used to preach that to you all the time. When are the results going to come through in an NBA game. We never saw it. I don't believe a goddamn thing that comes out of that man's mouth. <laughs> He's saying that because he wants to keep his options open because at this point, nobody wants him. Nobody in the NBA wants him. The Brooklyn Nets don't even want him. If the Brooklyn Nets could get rid of him today right now without having to eat up that big-ass contract, they would. Ben yeah. Simmons is trash. Someone uh, the complete opposite of Ben Simmons, and I'll let you get back to your your Ben Simmons hate uh, in a second. But uh, I mean Pat Bev, adding Pat Bev to the team. I know he's a dinosaur. I get all that, but the dude just has so much energy. Getting ejected from a um, from a playoff game, and and speak of speak of the devil here, he was trash talking Ben Simmons so much he got thrown out, and that's because Ben Simmons was trash talking one of the Sixers rookies. I believe it was the center. Um, and Mo Bama added to this team um, as well. Um, some guys that we didn't talk about um, since the, um, you know, since our, our last podcast. But you bring Danny Green back. Interesting. You, you brought a bunch of old guys back. Um, and I guess that's for the locker room maybe. Um, but when you look in the locker room, I mean, there's there's more old guys than, than young guys. <laughs> but um, Tyrese Max, you're going to learn from all these guys. Uh, but yeah, Pat Brett, Bev, he's definitely for Philly. Um, he's, he's the perfect guy for this city. Um, I, I think that alone is going to bring some view viewers into the games. Um, some tickets are going to be bought because if a few years ago, when he, when he took his Jersey off, when they won that, at, what was that? That play in tournament oh. acting like he won the, uh, the, the NBA finals. That, so, that was great. Yeah, that was Minnesota. Yeah. That was terrific. Uh, to see that, but yeah, T, um, this team is, they're, they're going to drag me in. I mean, they are going to drag me in. Of course I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm Eagles. And then, and then it goes to the Sixers. Um, but yeah, Eagles seven and one Sixers, two and one flyers. They started off pretty good. I, I, you know, we don't, we don't have max on here to talk about the, uh, the Flyers, exactly. But is there anything else you wanted to touch on uh, the Sixers before? I want to get into a bonus segment real quick because I'm a, I'm in the mood. Oh boy, um, yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm done with Ben Simmons. Um, y'all okay. can y'all can have your little fantasy about him coming back. I don't give a shit. I really don't. And all y'all that and all y'all that are fantasizing about Ben Simmons and him making this miraculous comeback and then all of a sudden being the guy. Man, there you go with that bullshit. Like I think all y'all is just full of shit. I really do. I know I, I there's no way in hell y'all just sit y'all believe that. I, I refuse to sit here and think that y'all really believe that. But continue. Let's do this segment. Whatever. I'm not I'm not a huge Ben Simmons fan. I actually dislike the guy very much. I just thought I would bring that Ben Simmons thing up as well. But 
I got I got a rant for you, and I, I talked about the I talked to the boys about this um, okay. uh, like a week or, or so ago. But I have been um, traveling uh, via plane uh, a good amount lately, uh, going back and forth to um, to Florida for family reasons. And when <laughs> one of my uh, biggest pet peeves is when when people snore. I know it's not their fault. Um, in general, like they can't help themselves. Uh, they're sleeping. They they got something, some health concerns maybe wrong with them. But if you know that you <laughs> snore, T, like stick with me here. If you know that you snore as a person, you're getting on a plane. Don't fall asleep. I mean, <laughs> the, the flight I was on, T, was only about an hour long. Only an hour long. I, I got some. I got a cheap flight, um, and and we had a layover, and it, the the layover made no sense, whatever. But the it was an hour flight. T. This guy's passed out, snoring. I mean, he saw on wood the entire plane ride. I have my headphones in. I can still hear this guy snoring. They're supposed to be noise canceling. It was like this guy was right next to me, leaning over. If you snore. Do not fall asleep. Take take some medicine. Drink some coffee. Eat some food. Do not fall asleep. If you're snoring, you're, you're just going to ruin everyone else's time. Buddy, just stay awake. Time's yours, T. What do you have to rant about? <laughs> you know what? I, you know what? That was so funny. <laughs> you would hate to travel with me then. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. But I don't fall asleep too much during travel. I have a buddy who shakes the entire house when he does. Now, first off, I, I got to ask you this. What, what type of noise canceling headphones are we talking here? Like, what, what, what are we working with first? You know, I, might have I, got the, I got the AirPods, man. I got the AirPods. Oh, man, no, those are not noise canceling enough. No, man, you got to get some of what I got. These are the, Drake, these are the Studio 3s, man. Studio threes. I don't hear a goddamn thing outside of these things when I'm recording or when I'm playing music. You gotta get some. You if you you got to invest in high quality noise canceling headphones or earbuds, man. Like those air those little AirPods aren't going to do the trick. I could have told you that. You you asked for trouble. I just wanted to put that out there. Well, I mean, for a second, I thought Drake added some some snoring to the beat or something. I thought it was part <laughs> of the song. And this this guy mouth open too. T. Oh God, he was going in right down that right down that chin. And, and then this guy has the, the audacity. And I'm going to go in on this rant. You're going to have to stop me because he had the audacity to be the first one to stand up on that plane land and, and, and make a beeline for the front of the plane, thinking that he was going to get past all of us. I had to use a little arm bar across the the chair. Like, listen, buddy, I'm getting out of here first, so I don't have to hear any more of your snoring. And you got drool on your shirt. <laughs> I will say this, like, I, I hate those people that, like, get up prematurely, like, as soon as the flight, yeah, before, yeah. Where before are you the going? flight even docks, where the hell are you going? Right. Where the hell yeah. are you going? But I digress. You're going to jump over all of us? It's crazy. People you know, are crazy, D. I, I do have a rant, and I'm going to be real short with this. Um, and oh, it's, yeah. it's really minor. It, it, it kind of is minor, because I don't ever expect it to happen. Micah Parsons went on his podcast, apparently, and was, like, trying to recruit Dallas Cowboys fans to take over Lincoln Financial Field. Let me tell you something right now, Micah Parsons. You want bullshit. First off, as, as Stephen A. Smith would say. Man, there you go with that bullshit. Because if you think for one second, if you think for a goddamn second 
that any team, let alone the freaking Dallas Cowboys, are going to take over Lincoln Financial Field, you are sadly mistaken. That's never going to happen. In your lifetime, in our lifetime, in any lifetime, that's not going to happen. The hell would you suggest that for? For what reason? It's not going to happen. Nice try. You know the worst kind of people, though, are are Cowboys fans who are from Philadelphia team. You know, yeah, there's know. a bunch of them. We've met so many of those kind of people, and you know they'll be making their way to the link. But Dallas or um, Micah Parsons is a can a, he's a certified Eagles fan. I mean he 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 grew up an Eagles fan. Uh, the way that well, I, I don't I think that I think that's true. Uh, he he was an Eagles fan, or his family rooted for the Eagles. Went to Penn State. So he uh, was definitely around a bunch of Eagles fans um, as he as he went through through college. But he and he also said the Eagles have no weaknesses. I don't know what this guy's play is, but if I have Jalen Carter saying he's a huge like if he likes the Cowboys, they got a good team, stuff like that. I I don't, I don't know how I would feel about that. I, I don't like it. I throw up in my mouth. That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. I don't want to hear no bullshit like that. All right, T. Let's let's uh, close it out. Eagles are seven one. They're playing the Dallas Cowboys. Big rivalry game. Dak Prescott laughed about it um, in his his post game um, little interview he had on the field. Uh, seemed like he was um, he was preparing for it, and he uh, he he said that it's it's always a uh, it's it's a fight every time that they play. Um, he knows the rivalry. I know Jalen knows the rivalry. Uh, DeAndre Swift, we talked about that. that was, these young guys, they are in for a treat because uh, it is going to be electric at the link. Unfortunately, I will not be able to go there, uh, but I will be there for hopefully the 49ers matchup. I had to go there for that Kelly Green game, too, oh, but I, I don't know how much driving I have in me. I'm going to try to catch a Mountaineers game on Saturday against BYU. Hopefully they can get that win and secure a, a bowl game spot. Uh, but, T, um, let's wrap it up. All right, let's see if I remember how to do this. If you guys missed any of this episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. Available on all major downloadable platforms. And um, look here. Um, all y'all Cowboys fans are delusional if you think you're taking over my stadium. Y'all crazy as hell. Don't, don't. I got do something that. for them. Yeah. Go birds. And let the trash talking commence because I'm starting my trash talk tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>